0: in my office, you see that I have matching bookshelves and all this kind of stuff. It was really nice. It was there before I got here. It was beautiful. But it's from Ikea. No, no, it's still good. Trust me. But I was thrilled when I walked in to see that it was all put together. Has anybody bought stuff from Ikea and had to put it together? A few people? Have you prayed and asked for forgiveness for the thoughts that went through your mind? Isn't it nice, like, IKEA is a great store, really. Where can you go have breakfast for like a buck ninety-nine? It's incredible. And you can walk in there and be like, I'm just gonna be a few minutes, and all of a sudden it's like, wow, where did the whole day go? But how many of you know, like, if you look at their instructions now, their instructions don't even have words. It's just pictures. And I understand the thought concept that a picture is worth a thousand words. But how many people know when you try to put something together, Words would be great. I could use, I'll I'll take a thousand words over a picture. Especially a step-by-step. See, I'm one of the weird guys that actually follows the instructions. And so when I open up stuff, I look for the instructions. But sometimes it's like, I just, Ikea, come on. Just write some stuff out. Just put some words on a piece of paper for me. It'd be easier. How many of us like it when there's instructions that are simple, simple, and clear to follow. Right? A lot more hands up. You are allowed to raise your hands. I know we asked you to do it during worship, but you are allowed. Maybe you just like, no, I like pictures. Actually, I just take the instructions, toss them out, and then whatever happens, happens. <laughs> I thought it was a bookshelf. Well, it's kind of like a coffee table bookshelf on that, capacity, what's his name, the artist? Picasso. Picasso. On an angle and all this kind of stuff. It was meant to be designed this way. That's not what the box looks like. But we all have this. Now, here's the thing I love about my relationship with Jesus, the more that I walk this out in this journey with him. The more that I understand, the more that I read his word, the more I understand that he actually writes it out. That trying to figure out a relationship with him is actually not as difficult as we make it. We make it difficult, but he doesn't. He actually puts it in writing for us. See, the question I have for you this morning... And this will help you with your relationship with Jesus. You can almost leave after this, but don't. <laughs> My question for you is, who's first? Not who's on second. Who's first? Only baseball guys will giggle at that. Who's first? In your life, who's first? We say that. We say it. Because every one of us, if you grew up in the church, in the... Sunday school teacher asks you a question, you could not be paying attention, and they just go, Carl, what's the answer? Yes. Well, see, she said yes. But you just say, Jesus. In Sunday school, you can be goofing off, and all of a sudden, it's like, what's the answer? Jesus. I asked you if you wanted a cookie. Well, in Jesus' name, I received the cookie. (laughs) Right? Like, we just know in church, Jesus. That's the answer. But it's totally different when we get outside these doors. Actually, a lot of Sunday mornings, it's totally different to get us to these doors. Because, Chad, you don't know that we have this. Well, and we have this. And, Chad, we have this. And, Chad, you know you started late this morning. And my roast is in the oven. Because, Chad, we have this. See, it's interesting... When I was working with the students, one of the things I had them do if they joined the discipleship group was they had to keep track of hours that they spent watching TV, on internet, on social media, all these different things. And it wasn't because I was mean and crazy. Maybe a little bit, but it wasn't fully because of that. It was because when they came to me later and said, I wasn't able to do my devotions this week. When they came to me and said, because all of a sudden now some of them just like us, some of them might not do devotions every day, and all of a sudden, I'm making them do devotions every day. So if they came to me and said, "Oh, I didn't have time to, this week to get them all done," my follow up was like, "Oh, I know. We live. We all have busy lives. I get it. So can I see your timesheet?" I didn't even ask to see which ones they did, and then ask how many they did. I asked to see their timesheet. Let me see your timesheet. Let me see your, where you spent your time. And see, they were allowed 10 hours of television. I guarantee you that 10 hours of television was maxed out. In most cases. And so then my follow-up question is, it's not that you didn't have time to do devotions, you chose to watch TV instead. But our automatic answer in, Christian, in the church is, who's first? Jesus. I didn't spend time with him today. Well, I was, <laughs> it was a busy day. God knew that it was busy. But I still got to watch the news so I could trash talk the politicians. That was quiet. I still, I still made sure that I seen who got voted out in Survivor, or who got voted out in the Bachelorette, or the Bachelor. I still made sure that I didn't miss my TV. But it was too late. I had to go to bed. I'm sure I'm not the only one that stayed up and watched double overtime. I cried. Not really, but it was sad. Almost. See, now when I start throwing these things out, who's first? When you get cut off in traffic and you raise your hand, God bless you. I'm sure you're having a stressful day. Drive safely. Who's first? See, Jesus tells us, the Lord leaves it in his Bible for us. He says this in Jeremiah 29, starting at verse 12. It says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. See, some of us, we're trying to find God. We're trying to seek Him. We're trying to see where He is. We want to get close to Him. But we're highly distracted. We're highly distracted. So when we seek Him, are we seeking with all of our heart? See, what I love about this verse is it says, When we search with all of our hearts, we will find Him. Not we might, we will. See, the scripture reads totally different. If you read and it says, if you search and fi- look for me with all your heart, you may find me. No, no, it says, you will. You will. See, in the original text, if you look at the word where it says search with all your heart, if you look at the original word for all, it means All. I you don't know, it's a deep word study for you. <laughs> but it means everything. All that you have, all that you are. And see, when it talks about what we give him, does God have all of us? And see, when it talks about all of our hearts, it's actually not just referring to our emotions, but our intellect. See, some of us... We are great leaders, and we are great problem solvers, so when there's a problem, we just try to solve it. We believe, and we have the answer more than God does. And it's only when it gets to the breaking point that we turn to him, and we wonder why God allows us to get to the breaking point. Well, he actually wants us to turn to him. See if we if when we stub our toe, if we turn to him, he won't break our leg. I'm not saying if you broke your leg it's God's will, but I'm just saying like, at what point do you turn to God and say, "Okay, God, I need you, I need to get close to you." Joyce Meyer said it this way. She says, "Before you turn to the phone, turn to His throne." So many of us will call other people, will search out other people instead of just going to God. Do we seek him more than our own thoughts? Do we seek him more than our friends? See, he wants followers, not fans. He wants us to trust him when we don't, just un- when we're, when we don't understand who he is or what's going on. We don't understand he wants us to trust him. God wants us to love him. Not just trust him. Think about your relationship with your spouse. If you have a spouse and you're here this morning, think about your relationship with your spouse. Can you imagine if Melissa's like, I love you. Most people don't know this. It's our 12th year anniversary, today. (laughs) Clap for her, she put up with me for 12, 14. Can you imagine today if she looks at me and says, Chad, I love you? Ch- Chat, I love you. And my response was, I trust you. Right? It's all, your awkward silence like, is that all he's going to say? But see, sometimes we'll say we trust God, but we won't love. And then the other way around. If she looked at me and I was like, Melissa, I trust you. And her response to me was, oh, I love you. There's that awkward, she she loves me but she doesn't trust me? If you think about your relationship, you can't have one without the other. At least not for 12 years, and I know more, many of you have been here a lot longer. And so you know, you can't have love without trust, and you can't have trust without some love. But many of us, we will say, who's your first love? Jesus! Do you trust him? Well, it depends on the circumstances because I can solve some of this on my own. See in Proverbs 8 it says this, verse 16, but by but by sorry, by me princes govern and all nobles who rule on the earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. He loves to be loved. The Bible tells us he's a jealous God. He loves to be loved. See, it says that with him is riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. Enduring means lasting. Not just in this earth, but for eternity. And see, some of us, we get too distracted. Some of us, we look at these verses from an earthly perspective and we say... With the Lord, there are riches and honor and enduring wealth and prosperity. I'm going to be loaded. That's not what he's saying. Because how many people understand that the Lord's idea of wealth, the Lord's idea of prosperity isn't the same as ours. That's why the richest thing we have is gold and he walks on it. What we classify as the most precious item, he classifies it, To walk on. Anybody redoing their driveway this summer? You plan on paving it with gold? (laughs) If you are, we still need the air conditioner. It's like, what he walks on, we classify as the most precious. So you do think that when he says you will find riches and honor and wealth with him, that it might be something different? See, what I've realized is the closer I get to God, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden a check shows up in my mailbox each week that says, return address heaven, because we all know we ain't sending it back anyway. But it doesn't show up in my mailbox. What I actually am gaining is Galatians 5, 22 and 23, where it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I actually gained fruit of the Spirit. I actually become more peaceful. Patience is starting to develop in my life. Gentleness, self-control, peace. This is all starting to develop. There's a thing that happens in our lives that when trouble hits us that all of a sudden we are more peaceful. Because all of a sudden we realize, hey, God got me through this, he'll get me through this. And you know what I begin to realize more and more the closer I get to God? I'm not that smart. And so what I do is I trust on him faster. When something happens, I begin to pray faster. Because what I begin to realize is when I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't need to fear anything, but I do need to seek his face so I can get out of there faster. The closer we get, the more we'll learn and the more we'll trust. But see, he'll help us get to places that will allow us to have to draw closer to him. I'm not saying he brings trouble into your life, but when trouble happens, he'll watch to see what you do with it. Because see, here's, here's the thing that we have to realize. We've read Jeremiah 29, verse 12 to 14, where it says, Then you will call upon me, and you will come and pray to me, and I will listen to you, and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And many of us know Jeremiah 11. We love this verse. We love Jeremiah 11. But have you read Jeremiah 10. Jeremiah 29.11, most of you haven't memorized, but have you read Jeremiah 29.10? What you need to realize is it says this. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promises to bring you back to this place. 70 years of exile. So when we quote Jeremiah 29.11, when we read, for I know the plans you have for me, declares the Lord, that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Yes, he does, but it's after 70 years of exile for them. Sheds a new light on verse 11, doesn't it? I'm not saying it's not a verse to hold on to. I'm not saying it's not a verse to hold on to as a promise, but realize what came before it. He's telling them, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, because they're in exile. If they were already living in the promised land and they're living with him and walking correctly with him, he wouldn't have to encourage them. This verse is there because of a hard time. Because of their exile, the Lord says, for I... For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. The Lord will carry you to places and put you in places that will cause you to call upon him. To draw us deeper in our relationship with him. He will allow things. Why? Why? 2 Corinthians 1, Paul starts off his letter writing to the Corinthian church, and this is what he tells them in the beginning of first, verse, verse, eight, or verse 8. He says, we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters. So he's not, telling this, he's not telling them this, so it's kind of a complaint. He's like, no, no, you need to know. We want you to stay informed. So we're not telling you this. We're telling you this so you're not uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were gr- under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired life itself. Indeed, we felt we have received the sentence of death but this happened that we might not rely on ourselves but on God who raises the dead. Sometimes these happen so we stop relying on ourselves. Paul says, to the point of death. Paul was at a point where he's just like, man, God, just take our lives. When he says this, how many people realize he's at his breaking point. He's been pushed. And he says, this was allowed so that we can rely on God. So we stop relying on ourselves and push back. But... But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. See, when we understand that he's the one who raises the dead, we turn to him a lot faster. We trust in him. So matter where you are today, draw closer to him and trust him. He's asking you to. He's pulling you close. If you're in a good place, if you're like, actually, Chad, everything's going well for me. Remember to thank him because it comes from him. Remember to thank Him. See, Second Chronicles verse 7, or chapter 7, verse 13. Jesus is telling us how to draw close to Him. It says, When I shut up the heavens, so there is no rain, or command the locusts to devour the land, or send a plague among my people. If my people who call on my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them from heaven and forgive them their sin and I will heal their land. For my eyes will be open, my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. The people are called who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive I know many of us are praying for our land we are praying for Canada we're 150th year and we are praying for something to change one of the things we need to remember is that the Bible tells us that all authority has been placed by him. All authority. Our responsibility is to pray. Now, do we need to be aware of what's happening? Yes, because we need to know what to pray. But should we sit as people who are called by his name and rip apart the people who are in authority in our land? Should we pray? Absolutely. Absolutely. But what my word tells me is it says that if we're called by his name and we'll humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways, which I do believe is some of the way we talk about our leaders. I don't support everything. Don't misinterpret what I'm saying. I'm saying what we are called to do. We are called to pray. And we pray, and we pray, and we pray. I sometimes wonder if our land is the way it is because God wants to see the church begin to pray for it, not criticize it. Will we pray to see our land change? Because just so you know, when you're sitting having coffee and you're, and you're ripping them apart, it's not doing anything. But when we pray, when we pray, you'll see the spiritual realm shift. You'll see the land begin to change. When we, It says here, when we humble ourselves and seek his face, he will heal our land. We just forget the fact that we're the ones who are supposed to ask for forgiveness and turn from our ways. Because we're the ones that are called by his name. See, when it says humble, it means humble is not proud or arrogant, modest. To be humble, although successful. Humility is a quality or condition of being humble, modest of opinion, or an estimate of one's owns importance or rank. One of the synonyms for it is submissiveness. To yield oneself to the authority or will of another. Do we submit to God when we don't understand? See, how many people realize it's easy to follow God until you read a scripture verse and you go, Ooh, I didn't know that was there. That means I have to change. Maybe I'll just skim over that one. No, no. Will we follow God even when we disagree with what the scripture is saying? Because see, there's many Christians that will actually use the terminology. Well, it was written a long time ago. Today's society is a little bit different. Oh, it's the word of God. And it's easy for us to remember the people who said it. But when have we said it? Or when have we lived it? We might not say it, but do we live it? And see, when we humble ourselves and we turn from our wicked ways and we seek his face, then there's something that happens. There's something that happens. And I call it the great shift. There's a great shift in our walk with God. There's a journey with God that all of a sudden the shift happens. And Bill Johnson, he writes it and he says this when he goes, when we finally get to a point, sorry I won't read the quote yet, when he says we get to a point where we trust him more than we trust ourselves, when we humble ourselves, when I humble myself, that doesn't mean I think less of myself, it means I think less often about myself. See, sometimes in humility, we think we have to think less of ourselves. No, no. I, we don't have to think less of yourself. You just have to think of yourself less often. So it doesn't mean you have to walk around thinking you're a horrible person. And finally, when we omit, omit our sins and that we need him, then we can shift and watch. As he, to, sorry. Then we shift to him being holy for us. And all of a sudden, he comes in, and he begins to do things. And Bill Johnson writes in the book, Supernatural Ways of Royalty, on page 14, he writes, God is building his people into his likeliness through fires of revival. The revelation of our sin and unworthiness is only half of the needed equation. It's difficult to build something substantial on a negative. The, only, the other half of the equation is how holy he is on our behalf. At some point, we must go beyond being simply sinners saved by grace. As we learn to live out of our position in Christ, we will bring forth the greatness exploits of all time. So what does this mean? Are we sinners saved by grace? Yes. But then there's a point where we get close to God and he begins to bring his holiness on our behalf. Where we begin to step into gifts and operate in spiritual gifts and operate in his authority, not because of how great we are, but how great he is. And this is how, this is why. If you've ever thought in your head, why should I raise God higher in my life? It's because once he sits there, there's so many things that we get to do. There's so many strengths and boldness that we can walk in. I told you like the last time I was speaking, just the journey I was on the last few months, and just how God kind of took me through this journey of who he is in my life and who I'm not. And when I came out the other side of that, what I have been seeing is miracles. Not because of me, but because of God. And I have so much faith right now to pray for things that it's stretching my mind. But when I prayed with Archer, and he was healed, and still hearing stories about what the doctors are, and what's happening through that. And then we were at Overflow, and the girl behind the, behind the scenes where I was working, we were sitting there in the first service, and the speaker's preaching, and he's preaching away, and all of a sudden I begin to understand, I think there's somebody here that needs healing in their right arm. There's like 4,000 people in the building, and I'm supposed to just direct the stage. I know Mark Howell, but I'm guessing he's not going to let me just walk up on the stage. So I start praying. I'm like, God, I don't know what to do here, but I know you're talking to me. So I just kind of stay quiet. And we go into altar time, and I'm at the back directing stage, and I'm just worshiping the Lord for a minute. And this girl taps me on the shoulder, and she just goes, Chad, God's really talking to me right now that my faith is he's about to forgive kids' sins, and so many teenagers are going to turn to him. And I believe that he can forgive their sins. She goes, but the doctors told me I have to wear this brace for the next six weeks. She shows me her right arm. So I smile. Because I know where we're going. And she goes, but God is telling me when Jesus said, What's harder for to forgive somebody's sin or tell him to pick up his mat and walk? And he turns and says, Pick up your mat and walk. And she goes, Listen, why God can't heal my arm? Will you pray for my arm? Go, Absolutely. And so we pray. I tell her to take her brace off, and she takes her brace off. She begins to move her hand in ways that she couldn't do it without pain. And I ask her, like, where are you percentage-wise? She's like, 80% better. And so we pray for the rest. And she's excited. She's joyful. She's giddy. And so I'm like, what couldn't you do? And she's like, well, I couldn't do this. I couldn't move it like this. She goes, I couldn't pick up my baby. I couldn't do my hair. I couldn't do this and this and this. And I said to her, "It's like, okay, we don't have much time, otherwise I'd send you to pick up your baby, but we don't have time for you to go pick up your baby. I still have to stay on schedule. And so I told her, I said, you watch and you tell me tomorrow how fun it was to pick up your baby in the morning. And I didn't say if, because I believe that it's going to happen. And so I'm walking her through this journey. And she comes back the next morning, she comes through the door, and she's literally skipping. And she high-fives me. And she's like, I couldn't do that yesterday. I curled my, she goes, I straightened my hair, I blow dried my hair, I picked my baby up, I did this, I did this, and she's rhyming all these things off. And I looked at her and I said, this is what God wants for us. This is where our walk with God becomes fun. When you see somebody and they ask you to pray with them and you don't pray going, I I think this might happen. But we're deep down inside, you know, that God has made this line up for this moment for things to shift and change right here, right now. And I can tell you, she wasn't healed from me. I seen the look in her eyes, I seen the joy on her face, and she's a pastor, and I seen her begin to ask questions. And so what she walked with with God just went from here to here. And we talked the rest of the weekend. And it's fun. But can I tell you, the month, month and a half for me to go through to get to there wasn't fun for me. Pastor Melissa can tell you, it was rough for me as I walked through this with God. So sometimes... We're in those moments where we don't understand. God's pushing us through so we can step into something that he has for us. But in our lives, who's first? God hooked me through this so to make sure that he was first in my life. Is he first every day? No. I still mess up. But am I striving for him to be first every day? Absolutely. So who's first in your life or what's first in your life? Because see, here's the fun part with Jesus. Matthew 6, 6, 25, and we're going to close here. It says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body or what you will wear is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store up or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them, are you not much more valuable than they are? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See the lilies of the field? Do they, not, they do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that, they, that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So seek the Lord first and his righteousness. And if you go after him first, everything else will just come into place. In his timing, it will just begin to fall into place for you. So who's first in your life? Is it God? Is he above all other things? Is there hobbies that are in the way? Or are there different things that are in the way? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, I thank you for the way that you speak to us. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for the way that work. And so, Holy Spirit, we do, we come to you wanting, as we've said, and many of us will verbalize, that you are first in our lives. But this morning, Holy Spirit, I ask that you help us all to not say that you're first, to not think that you're first, but to put you first. So, Lord, when trouble comes, we seek you. When difficulties happen, we seek you. When challenges happen, we seek you. Father when bad news comes we don't panic, we don't get upset we don't get bothered but first thing we do is turn to you Lord because what catches us off guard never catches you off guard. So Holy Spirit help us this morning even now Holy Spirit through this throughout this room because no matter where we are in our walk with you no matter how long we've been serving you, how passionate we've been serving you, we're human. So Holy Spirit at this moment everybody in this room just reveal one thing that is before you in their life. I believe the Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us and when I ask him to show this when I ask him to speak to you this isn't to tear you down it's just to identify something identifying it is not problem. Don't beat yourself up when the Holy Spirit is telling you right now one thing. Don't let the enemy beat you up. But now that we've identified it, now the Holy Spirit has shown it, we can deal with it. See, this is something we should do in our, our walk with the Lord. Is ask him, Father, is there anything I have that comes before you in my life? And when he shows you, don't, again, don't get beat up. You now know what to work on. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come to the front. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you identify what it is. But I also pray that you protect hearts, that, Father, the point of identifying is drawing close, not pushing away. And so this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to draw close. Let's so just get everybody to stand to your feet. So Holy Spirit, ask you to come and move amongst us. I really feel like I just need to pray for a moment that Father I just cut off any lies of the enemy right now that are making people feel unworthy because Father you're actually identifying things because you want to show them how worthful they are to you. And so Lord I pray that you begin just to draw people close and so we break off the lies of the enemy in the name of Jesus Christ. And Holy Spirit I release your truth to speak to people. So if there's things that you need just to drop off your life, to place God as number one in your life, these altars are open. And so Holy Spirit, I ask for you to move and just set people free this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, for the ones that need to go, I pray for your peace and your protection on them. But Holy Spirit, from this moment on today, we just give you our lives and we give you our time so, Holy Spirit, we ask you to move in the name of Jesus Christ. Help us to get back here tonight for the service at 6.30. And Lord, right now, Holy Spirit, set people free as they draw closer to you. If you need to make God number one and get rid of some stuff in your life, come forward as we worship the Lord together. Thank you, Father God. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you come back and check out next week's message as well.